Finally, the Mars Magazine podcast has returned. This is Adario Strange, and this time we've returned to talk about the arrival of the Tesla Cybertruck. And to do that, I've brought along an old associate by the name of Nick James, a car hey. expert. What's up, man? Hey, sorry to cut you off there. I'm just so excited. No, no, no. I mean, uh, so let's see. Car <laughs> expert extraordinaire. You, you actually, you're one of the few... So you have a lot of like car experts today who have, I don't know, they work on YouTube, uh, yeah. they have whatever, Reddit channels or whatever, but few have actually had like the privilege, the, the I guess the cred building honor of working in Detroit. So you actually worked in Detroit at an auto company, correct? Yeah, General Motors. I uh, managed all communications for the Chevrolet car line uh, for a couple of years in uh, downtown Detroit. And then before that, you did um, like for a couple of other digital out outlets, you did like a bunch of car reporting. And now you're also doing your own startup, uh, Diffcom. Do I have it yep. right? Diffcom. Yeah. Diff yeah. I, I do. I throw an S on there. For Diffcoms. Okay. Diffcoms. And so you're also, so you're still doing car, I guess, um, marketing, promotion, but you're also doing other stuff, you know, I guess in the apparel space, sports, outdoor. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's safe to say that. You probably you've probably driven more and know more about like the cutting edge of cars out there than your than the average person, correct? Oh yeah, I mean, having seen the next three generations of all of General Motors vehicles, you know, talked to uh, leading engineers across uh, all major automakers, driven you know three hundred brand new cars over or long or more over the last several years. Yeah, I'm um, I'm pretty clicked in. Okay, and, and just to give some background on me, because like. Uh, I'm from New York, and so most New Yorkers don't even have a driver's license. Most New Yorkers don't know how to drive. In my opinion, I have no stats. This is just my you know kind of anecdotal uh, you know, information. But I am the rare New Yorker who does. I know how to drive. I'm from Manhattan. I know how to drive. I have a driver's license, and I've owned several cars. Let's see. My first car was a Celica, some sort of you know used, beat up Celica. Then my right. second car was like a really, really late model Mercedes Benz, you know, like, um, Ooh. like a, like an old lady would drive like a Mr. Magoo, you know, okay. like, okay. like, like real, but it was like classy. Like a class or something, or do you remember what it was? I can't remember, man. So I'm not, I'm not car guy enough to remember <laughs> the exact model. <laughs> like I could show you a picture of it, you know, right. yeah. um, but I loved it. I loved it. And I had it in Manhattan and which was mm. a challenge. Cause like to have a car in Manhattan, you, you know, paying for the parking is basically paying another rent. So that yeah. was interesting. And then my last car, well, actually, no, that was my last car. The car before that, I had a, um, a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Oh, man, I love that. I love that uh, car really? so much. Yeah, I had a Jeep Grand Cherokee in New York. This is actually when I lived in Brooklyn, and I would commute uh, into Manhattan from Brooklyn. Um, Never left oh, you stranded? Say it again? Never left you stranded? Oh, no, no. Oh, man, does that does it have a reputation for that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, okay. No, 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 I loved it. It was reliable. Uh, in cold weather, it worked well and um, it handled well. I love that car. I, every time I see, even now, even when I see like an old Jeep Grand Cherokee, um, I, I still, uh, I love the Jeep Grand Cherokee. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I have some credibility. You know, I have some background. You know, I would say more than maybe your average uh, native New Yorker. Um, so I can talk a little bit from that uh, from that space. But you, you, you're the you're the man. This is why I reached out to you. We saw. Now, so I saw the event in real time. Did you watch in real time or did you watch it recorded? I watched it in real time, yeah. Okay, so I, I watched in real time too. And, you know, I've seen a bunch of Elon Musk events. Just for those listening, so Elon Musk on Thursday night released the Cybertruck in L.A. And I mean, he, he does this frequently, like when he has like maybe a new SpaceX uh, reveal or a new Tesla reveal. He'll uh, kind of have like a big event and kind of have it, you know, really, you know, have like a lot of whatever fanfare and production value. But I would say this is like the most production value he's had. And this is like the most uh, theatrical we've seen. So he did that this past Thursday. It was pretty cool. And they, they started with like a hologram or like I guess what was supposed it didn't really look like a hologram to me. It looked like they were just projecting something on 
maybe some sort of screen, but I guess it was yep. supposed to be like a, a virtual assistant hologram. And um, she kind of looked a little bit like Pris from Blade Runner, a little bit vaguely. Um, mm-hmm. And so he did that. And then, and so she introduced him and he came out and the Cybertruck was unveiled. I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't waste any time. So, so I, the reason I, you know, the first, I mean, I, I immediately went and looked at what you were saying on Twitter and I said, okay, <laughs> man, if, if he has time, I really want to talk about this. Cause this is like, <laughs> this, this is such a polarizing vehicle. It's, it's clear that people either love this thing or hate it. And you don't seem to be a fan. Yes. That is correct. <laughs> so, so let me, okay. So before we get into why, let me break down. So there's three versions. There's the, uh, I think, correct me if, if you catch any um, mistakes here. I think there's the, the, the lowest one is the 39. Well, I'm just going to round up. It's the $40,000 version, yep. which has a, a single rear wheel drive, I think it is. Yep, yep. And then the next tier up is, let's see, I think it's 50000 uh, And that's a dual rear wheel drive. So the entry level one has, a, let's see, 250 miles uh, of range for the battery. The next level up has 300 miles, and it's uh, $50,000 and has dual rear wheel drive. That's hard to say. And then the top tier is, I believe it's 70000 or 80000 I think I'm going to say I'm going to say 70000 The dual motor is an all-wheel drive, so it does adds one to the front. Okay, yeah. But then the top tier, I think it's yeah. 70000 and yeah. that range is 500. Well, they're actually saying uh, plus on all their ranges. So 250 right. plus, three, three, 300 plus, and 500 miles plus, I believe it is. They tried to demonstrate that <laughs> the car is, you know, kind of like made to withstand apocalyptic whatever pressures. So they, they hit the, uh, the body of the car with a sledgehammer, not a mark on it. And then they did this elaborate test of like this um, kind of special uh, glass, not on the car. First, they just like kind of did this separate test to like show, you know, just how durable the glass is. And then they actually tried to do it on the car itself and, you know, fail. That, that was the big thing. Like actually the stock dropped. If you're a Tesla stock watcher, the stock plunged right after the announcement. And they even said um, the big story was like Elon Musk lost something like 700 million of his uh, fortune just from the stock uh, loss or the stock dropping after that glass fail. But it didn't seem to impact the audience. He didn't miss a beat. I'll give him, you know, got to give him credit. He didn't seem that flustered. Um, if you kind of look online and you kind of check out people who were actually at the event, who actually spoke to him and the, uh, and the engineer, uh, the guy who threw the ball, that was one of Tesla's uh, engineers. They were actually fl- flustered, surprised, shocked, thrown off, but he didn't let on on camera. On camera, everything looked uh, pretty good. So, okay, so it came out. What do you think? Like, what, what was your impression? I mean, like virtually all of my automotive uh, and, you know, expert friends who are reporters and, and PR people and otherwise, we thought it was a joke, you know. <laughs> I mean, it looks like an asymmetrical barn, you know, Um, you can get into details later in our conversation about um, why I don't believe this truck will actually be built in the form that it is um, that we saw on Thursday night. But, uh, uh, you know, on the blush of it, it's like, are you joking? Right. (laughs) This is ridiculous. (laughs) You know, so you thought you thought like at first first blush, you kind of thought he was trolling and maybe he'd bring out another car, maybe. I mean, I wanted to tweet at him like, hey, Elon, move that prop. I want, I can't see the real car. <laughs> right, you know? like, right, right. It's crazy. <laughs> there's a lot of people who are like saying that it looks like um, like kind of when you're playing, like either if you're playing a video game or you're using some sort of um, 3D program, it looks like the low res poly version of like, you know, like the unfinished version of a car that you're trying to get to render on a computer. So, you know, yes. a lot of those comments came out. One, one thing I wanted to say before I forget. So there's one guy who posted. So there's a bunch of memes, at, you know, people who had the same reaction, some positive, some negative. And one thing I saw that was posted is someone comparing it to the Ford F-150. Let's see. So they compared the That's the Raptor, right? So is the so Raptor the, like top tier or? Well, it's the performance version, but it's not going to have the same uh, towing capabilities as other versions of the f-150 so it's the fastest accelerating but it's not the best for um that's like a show-off truck and not a work truck so it's not totally an apt comparison it's it's it is and it isn't 
Well, right. so yeah, because the version they're comparing it to in this meme I'm looking at is the lowest yeah. version of the of the Cybertruck. So yeah. is that still? So you, you still think that's like maybe is not the, unfair? Is that the lowest because the price they're showing in that meme is. Uh, oh, you're right. Grand, you're right. right? No, 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 that's the mid tier. You're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Selling capacity on the low one is seventy five hundred for the this Cybertruck. Yeah, you know, it's I, just side note though. So like thirty nine, basically forty forty thousand. Yeah. Are you surprised that the price is that low? Yes and no. I mean, here's the thing. Again, when this is part of a bigger conversation, uh, I don't think like with the Model Three, it took them a very long time to get to actually the bottom, but the entry level option being available to customers, and they didn't even start building the Model Three, you know, thirty five thousand dollar version for you know quite a long time, and even longer than he had promised, um, which hurt stock in the long run. You know, I think it's a it's a good price, but I mean, those batteries are expensive. That you that uh, shell thing of you know military grade stainless steel is expensive. I don't know if he can actually turn a profit at that point, and he's having a hard time doing that already uh, on very profit should be profitable uh, vehicles, right? So, um, I, I, it's like a dubious claim to me at best. I think they'll probably start with that tri motor. And then they'll option the hell out of it. So the one you'll probably actually see coming out of the factory first is probably going to be a loaded up $100,000 version, you know. Okay, so I want to ask you, like, why you don't like the the look of it. But before I say that, I want to note that we had a conversation before we started recording. And you disclosed to me that you think Baby Yoda is hideous. Is this correct, right? (laughs) That is what you said to me, right? Did I mishear that? Baby Yoda is not cute, right? Is that what you said? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Oh man! No, that's a joke. That's a joke. He didn't me. say He's that. He didn't. Yeah, no, 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 no. Nick didn't say that. <laughs> um, but no. So, so why, why don't? Okay. So, yeah. Just full disclosure. I think this thing is amazing. I think it's beautiful. Oh, okay. I do think it's kind of audacious, a little bit silly to some. I, I, I get it. But I, you know, look, this show is about science fiction meets the real tech and science, and you know, out there that we're actually embracing. And I tell you, like, as a science fiction nerd, I love this thing. I, so I'm just so I'm curious, like why, like what, what was it about its look at first glance that you just you're just not into? Uh, I, you know, and I'll admit at first blush, I liked it. I, you know, I was I hated it. Right. And the more I've looked at it, the more I like it from certain angles. Right. The the dead side angle where it looks, again, like an asymmetrical barn. I still don't like that. <laughs> um, but I do like the the front three quarter kind of shot low angle they have on their site i mean that's kind of neat looking right um a little, a little lambo rep reminiscent no? yeah All right. yeah um but again it just I, I accused the model x the the big suv of being you know looks like an egg on wheels like the most understyled vehicle in history mm-hmm. and then this comes out it's like and it really does just look like someone designed it in 40 minutes ahead of the event okay um, so so wait so let me just key in on that i want you to continue but just what's interesting is at the event they were. They actually had uh, replicas of famous um, science fiction vehicles. They had a replica of the DeLorean from Back to the Future. They mm-hmm. had the um, the flying car from the original Blade Runner, and they had the taxi that Arnold Schwarzenegger rides in in um, Total Recall. And they all all three of those were kind of like angular, really harsh. I, I hear a lot of people are they're, they're calling this design brutalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of brutalist designs. Um, so those vehicles were on site at the Tesla event. So he knew he was very aware that what he was doing was science fiction esque, uh, taking people into a future direction. But it's not right. Those are all almost 40 year old cars, right? Like that's not the future. That's the past. That's when in 1979, that was the most thing they could think of. Right. Well, yeah, You've past that now <laughs> well no no no. but it's the future of our imagination it's not the future of what actually happened see the reason i'm excited about this is because when i look at so okay so beyond just my own car ownership i have done reporting on uh, a bunch of car shows in tokyo and new york i'll be honest it's usually grunt work for me. Like I'm kind of like I'm a, I, I love cars, but I'm not such a car nerd that going to car shows and reporting is like something I love. But I've done it on like several occasions for years. And what I've noticed is even the futuristic stuff I see coming from the car companies, they're very careful to kind of be conservative and not like go too far. And what I like about what Elon 
did here is that he finally like if we're going to get the cars that we actually see in some of these films like whatever um uh what's it um minority report i don't know if you remember yeah. that scene where he's on the highway you know if we're, or, or or there's another um film i'm forgetting but like there's a film uh where it's uh there's a bunch of drone trucks you know self-driving drone trucks on the highway and they look very similar to kind of what this uh cyber truck looks like bigger and bulkier but you know kind of like similar i mean if we're ever going to get to that and we're not just going to keep having slight very conservative updates on old forms someone's going to have to take the dive and so that's kind of positioning those as if that is the future we have to get to and somebody's got to start it because i mean yes demolition man was a real vision of the future right (laughs) i mean it was i mean like we don't have to go there like that was what some lazy designer, I don't call him lazy, but some designer in the 90s or 80s thought up, mm-hmm. we don't have to get there. Like, we can do better than that, you know? Okay, so so wait. So let's, let's pause for a second and, and tell me, give me a, a futuristic or a movie about the future where you felt the, the, the vehicle design was maybe kind of realistic and, I don't know, tasteful in a way that you would appreciate. Mm. That's tough. I mean, but I do think, what was it the Minority Report where those vehicles, those Audis were driving themselves and all that stuff is that how they were going to run over them because they were all, you know, um, convoy together or whatever. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, frankly, and to call back to um, Demolition Man for a second, the electric, you know, General Motors car that, you know, uh, drove itself, that seemed pretty on point for where we're going. I, it's hard for me to point to a vehicle in a car that, has exemplified, I think, where we're really going. I think, frankly, some of the French and Japanese automakers and some of their um, electric self-driving concepts have been most accurately foretelling of where you know cars are going. Because once the cars can drive themselves and are electric, you can really get wacky with some of the design and make them more lounge-like, and you know you don't have to have crash, right? You know, centers and all that stuff. So, um, okay, so you just uh while we're on the topic of Blade Runner, I want to pull up a quote that I found on Business Insider. Uh, so Sid Mead, who is like a legendary like uh, concept designer, uh, world builder in Hollywood, and he was also the art- artistic director for the original Blade Runner. He actually emailed Business Insider a quote, and he said, the, cyber tes- the new ty- Tesla Cybertruck has, quote, completely changed the vocabulary of the personal truck market, truck market design, and he said it was stylistically breathtaking and said it went beyond his expectations. So, of course, you know, if you, you know, if you want to OK Boomer him and say <laughs> his ideas are out of date because, you know, he was like making a future from, you know, whatever the 80s. That's fine. But I mean, the guy knows design. The guy, I think he does some beautiful world building and build, beautiful design. And um, so we officially have the Sid Mead seal of approval on this. And... You know, the other thing is, it's not uh, it's not dying on the vine. There's like actual orders for this thing. You know, there's like there's, I think. Uh, let's see, Elon Musk actually posted the numbers. Uh, yeah, it was like something like one hundred forty thousand, one hundred forty-two thousand, something like that. And he noted in his tweet that you know that's with no celebrity endorsement, no commercials, and yes, he's he's become he's the celebrity endorsement. I mean, well, come yeah. on. But I mean, let's but think about something for a second. Would you call Elon Musk a great public speaker? I wouldn't. Oh, no. Would you call him? I don't. He's know. a marketing genius. He's a marketing genius. That well, yeah, has but, a, I, but has a know, car problem. You know, it's not like he's a, a supermodel visually. You know, it's not like he's the best orator. You know, it's not like he's uh, the youngest. He's not a millennial. You know, there's nothing about him that would tell you, okay, this guy. Whenever he appears and speaks, you know, everyone's going to get excited. So there has to be something other than just him and his, you know, speeches and his presentations that's doing something. People are excited. about. So, so let's just re- rewind for a second. How do you mm-hmm. feel about just Tesla in general? Like, do you are you a, a, a Tesla refusenik? Have you driven the Tesla? If so, which models? I've driven them all. Um, and... I will say, I have to give, before I say anything else, I have to give credit where credit is due. Electric cars wouldn't have made, you know, the growth that they have in the time they have 
without Elon Musk. Now, there's problems behind that because consumers still don't really want electric cars. They comprised fewer than 2% of all U.S. auto sales, and every automaker is running headfirst into building cars because they feel like they have to, both because of you know, social demand or, you know, maybe pop culture demand, and then also European and Chinese um, emissions regulations. But uh, I, I don't think he's not done a few other than a few details. He's not done anything that any other automaker could have done. And he's done things that some would have never done. Um, he's admitted like the Model X is just pure hubris. And he ended up, I used that word first and then my editor had me take it out. And then Elon used that same word about himself several months later. It's hard. Yeah, I just don't think they're that great looking. Electric cars aren't that hard to build, um, but he's made a real tough go of it for himself because he won't get out of his own way. Um, again, like the Falcon wing doors. So you, you, know. you didn't like those doors? No, it's they're superfluous they're useless you know what i mean it's like you didn't need to do that man you know what right. I mean? he admitted later he should have just made a big model s and he could have printed money you know right. instead he had to go be different than everybody else and the thing is about elon musk that really rubs me the wrong way mm-hmm. he acts like he's doing things that no one else has ever <laughs> thought of before it's okay. like no 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 general motors has thought of that and then they went oh no that's stupid we're not doing that and but then you know, moved on. what you just said reminds me of something and it's dead on What you just said is what people often said about Steve Jobs. Dude, it's true. Like Steve Jobs would almost it was very rare that Steve Jobs presented some new quote unquote innovation that hadn't already been done by either another big player or a smaller player uh, several years before. And, you know, if you follow Apple closely, what you'll realize is at least before he passed away, what they would do is they would let someone else test the market out, work the bugs out, you know, figure things out. And then they would release, you know, their Apple version and they would claim, you know, ah, oh, you know, we have broken new ground on some new, you know, innovation. And, and then they would they would do the same thing that you're you're saying Musk is doing. You know, Steve Jobs would basically say, yeah, you know, we're you know, we're, we're blazing new trails here. And so I don't know if I would de- directly compare them, but. That just reminds me, it sounds very similar to what people uh, said about jobs. Um, I, f- I pulled up the information, by the way, on uh, Musk's uh, pre-orders. So he said that so far, as of Saturday, which is, I guess, what, Thursday, Friday, so almost three days, um, they had 146,000 Cybertruck orders. Uh, of course, it only takes $100 to make an order. So clearly, not everyone is going to follow through because you can get the refund like they've stated you can easily get your money back uh, all the way up until you actually make the final order which is probably not going to be for like another year or two uh, but 146,000 orders uh, 41 of the 41 percent of those picked up the most expensive version which is significant uh, 42% got the dual motor, the mid-tier version, the $50,000 version, and the remaining 17% got the uh, cheap, cheapest single motor version. So there's interest, dude. I mean, like, that's like, you know, tens of millions of dollars just in a couple of days. Here's the thing with me that I, I look at with cars in general. Let's just step away from electric for a second. You know, all the information I'm consuming is telling me that, you know, the growth market in terms of consumers being millennials are moving away from cars and not buying as many cars as maybe the audio auto interest industry would like or would expect. Um, we have car sharing, ride sharing. That seems to be that, you know, that we believed in 2012 because we were, you know, we millennials were still suffering, uh, you know, underemployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, high student loans, um, the millennials are poised to overtake the baby boomers as the largest um, car consumer um, segment. So, okay, so that was, so you feel like that was just kind of a temporary blip? Yeah, yeah, okay. but then they've made it into a long-running story when you look at the data, just not there. Okay, know? okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. that's encouraging. All right, so so we will be, so, okay, so so you feel we will be driving cars, There will there will be a, a robust or, or somewhat robust car culture. The other thing I'm thinking is, like, if you are in middle America or in the South, I, I sent you, like, the, uh, the map, the search. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so what, something that was widely shared right after the launch was, like, um, a search map of where the most searches for Tesla Cybertruck 
uh, originated from. And most of the interests seem to generate or originate from middle America and the South, whereas the coast, specifically California and the East Coast, New York and the surrounding areas, had much less interest. And that actually makes sense to me. But here's the thing. Like, also, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but my understanding is that most people are moving to the big cities. And so if you move to the big cities, I, I just, I mean, I, I know that there's still, like, we're 300-plus million people here in the States, and, you know, we still have people coming in. And I want one of these things. I just don't know how, I, like, in New York, where do you put it, you know? Right. Which, you know, right. in, in L.A., where do you put it? I mean, I've driven in L.A. and, like, finding part. I mean, yeah, you can go to a parking lot and pay and everything, but just, you know, car culture in L.A. is... There are a lot of people now, even in L.A., who often prefer taking an Uber just because the ownership costs of, of a car and just like the hassle of sitting in traffic. And, you know, it's a whole thing. Right. So, so, I mean, I don't know. So middle America seems. Yeah, there's a couple of things there. That heat map is misleading because 223 percent growth in Montana uh, over Model 3 searches, you know, it's it's. Same day search volume first relative to Model 3 announcement day. So mm. let's, I mean, let's say four people search for it in Bozeman, the Model 3, and then like nine people search for the, you know, Cybertruck. Mm. I mean, these are stupid, you know, example numbers, mm. but let's not blow it out of proportion. Mm -hmm. We say, wow, 223% growth in Montana. It's like, yeah, but there's not that many people. And moreover, they have like no charging infrastructure, right? To your point, like in California, the biggest market for these obviously is 27% down versus Model 3. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're you, in the auto industry, you see two huge growth segments and where all the consumers are flocking to compact crossovers mm -hmm. and then pickup trucks, right? And then those are spread between, um, urban environments and in more rural environments uh, equally. So I think he'll, he'll, you know, hopefully he'll want to sell the Montanans uh, a cyber truck. And then the, you know, Los Angeles, what do you say in Los Angeles? Los Angelinos. Alino. That's right. I should know that. I live there. Uh, <laughs> Los Angelino, uh, you know, the model Y. Um, and we can, let's, I mean, at some point we need to talk about the feasibility of building and delivering this truck but so okay I'll, you know there's one thing looking up all this information about the cyber truck and trucks in general one piece of information stood out to me and i would love for you to explain this to me i, I found out this uh statistic factoid that says that the the best-selling vehicle period of all vehicles in the u.s is a truck and not just a truck but like something like the top five best-selling vehicles in the u.s are pickup trucks mm -hmm. like can you tell me I, like i rarely like i you know i've traveled all around the states and i know in the south pickup trucks are big and midwest and you know pacific northwest i guess to some extent but i just i don't feel like i see that many pickups compared to normal cars like can you does that track with what you know about the space Oh, yeah. I mean, every all the big three American automakers and then, you know, Toyota and Nissan also. I mean, you know, let's say that F-150 sells, you know, what, 700,000 units a year. Um, uh, GM's trucks together sell almost a million. Uh, Ram is somewhere, um, you know, down there as well, probably, you know, 600,000 units. Uh, and uh, you're I mean, you're in a bit of a pocket there in New York city uh, there are they're huge and they're all over the place in the rest of the country um maybe you're just not looking for them because you're not a car guy but yeah i mean it's like what the civic corolla and then like trucks you know or the <laughs> the big sellers and so in is this i mean but what is that about like because everybody i mean usually we could i mean this is a whole nother conversation but uh people like the ride height they like feeling tough you know capable to do anywhere and that's what we're seeing like off-road trucks becoming so um, prevalent and we're seeing like sports cars go away because as our infrared infrastructure gets worse, um, you want to be able to have big suspension, big tires, roll over anything. So your right. city, go so, at it. Yeah. So. But so I thought that was about SUVs and, you know, land cruisers and that kind of thing. I'm specifically talking about pickup trucks. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I see like outside of the South and Midwest. I don't feel like I like, I see pickup trucks on the road again. Yeah, maybe not. I'm not car focused as much, but just on a design level, I just love looking at cars and looking at the design and who's driving what and pickups. I mean, culturally, like if, if we're talking farmers, 
you know, or if we're talking, you know, people in the South, like in the South, you know, I've spent some time down there. Yes, for sure. There's a car culture in the South where there are people who actually just buy pickup trucks, like not even for work, just because they like pickup trucks and they style them out and everything. Sure. But in general, I, I don't I don't see like an SUV. Yes. Like the whole thing that you're talking about, you know, looking over the rest of the traffic and feeling powerful. Yes. For an SUV. But a pickup truck like if you let's because I know offhand the GM offerings. Well, I mean, the Silverado full size pickup truck is cheaper than the comparable Tahoe SUV on, you know, and they share the same underpinnings. Right. So I'm going to blow your mind right now. Uh, the biggest pickup truck market in America is Southern California. So what's that about? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just, you know, you're starting to get into social questions that I don't know how to answer. Hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I guess so maybe that's part of the reason why the uh, the Mini Cooper failed here. Oh, yeah. And the smart car. Yeah. Yeah. The smart cars. Because you would think that like in the bigger cities like San Francisco, New York, uh, Chicago, to be fair, let's not throw many under the bus. They haven't failed yet, but they're teetering, right? So I mean, I love the the car design and brand, and you know, I've sat behind the wheel a couple of times, and you know, I love it, you know, in theory. But I kind of feel the way a lot of other people feel. Like I wouldn't want to be in a car wreck in a Mini Cooper. <laughs> I mean, like I, I would much rather prefer like an SUV or a Cybertruck. So okay, so let's get back to the Cybertruck. So there's a lot of like kind of underlying stuff. I'm I'm kind of parsing about this whole reveal and i have a theory so everyone's kind of like polarized oh the you know it's the brutalist look is too harsh this is ridiculous it's a joke other people like oh it's super cool it's futuristic i can't wait to have one even though a lot of these people who want one or who have you know put their hundred dollars down many of these people will not get it because it's just it's a it's a monster it's big like when you actually begin to like really look at the dimensions and Look at what it looks like next to normal cars. It's huge. Most people who have put their $100, not most, a lot of people who put down their money probably won't follow through. Uh, many will, but many probably won't. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, he's got the bulletproof exterior. He wants bulletproof glass. This is for the military. And, there, and here's why I, I say that. So he's now doing a lot of work with the military via S SpaceX. And mm -hmm. I think when you look at kind of like the consumer market, which is finicky, fickle, you know, and particularly when you look at a space like pickup trucks, which is dominated by consumers who are like loyal through generations. Like you have people who like my great grandfather, you know, had a Ford or, or you know, whatever, Ram truck or whatever. Uh, they just have that brand loyalty when you're trying to penetrate that, you know, that's kind of like a big gamble. But if you're talking about the military, now, granted, you know, the military is still kind of moving towards autonomous, you know, weapons and drones and, you know, less about ground wars. But that doesn't mean the military isn't still going to spend their money, you know, to get these vehicles. I don't think that your average consumer, you know, like we're not living in Mad Max, Max yet. So I don't think your average consumer is looking for a bulletproof, sledgehammer proof exterior you know, as like a prerequisite to buying a car. So that that's why that jumped out to me. And I said, okay, so maybe part of the play here is to kind of like show it to the consumer, but the end goal is actually military, uh, mil you know, uh, you know, becoming a military contractor for Tesla in the same way that he's become um, a government contractor for SpaceX. And the other reason I, I think that, that this might be the case is uh, Elon Musk also tweeted that this will be the official Mars rover uh, vehicle. The, did, you, did you see this? I did. Yeah. <laughs> so this will be the so the Tesla Cybertruck will also be the official Mars rover vehicle. So what do, what, what do you think about this military theory? Uh, military, I mean, has long standing relationships with the American Big Three. Um, Elon is notoriously difficult to work with. That's why all of the backers he's ever had walked away like Toyota and the co-founder, you know, who, who he had uh, founded the company with. Moreover, the uh, military is under serious development of hydrogen technology, which they think is going to be much more useful to them um, because it's a quick refill sort of situation. It's, you know, akin to um, gasoline, but it's then, you know, silent like electric. Um, and they can, they can put up hydrogen, um, 
generation stations in the middle of the desert or wherever they're operating, it's hard for them to run uh, electric lines out to the middle of of Syria or something. Um, Moreover, they're working with General Motors on that. And then third of all, uh, the military works like this, right? Like a general walks up with a checkbook and goes, oh, I like this. I want 200,000 of them by February. And he cuts, starts writing a check. Uh, Elon, and this is where I really want to go with this conversation all along, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to drag us there anyway, uh, doesn't have the, the uh, production capability to answer a large scale military order. He might sell a couple to the, the Saudis as Dubai police cars or, or things like that. But I think in a real meaningful way, he can't match um, an Abrams or the former Humvee uh, in terms of delivery and build quality. Mm-hmm. And and Cohen to where, because he says this, what, is vehicle 2022? Uh, he's already promised two vehicles between now and then, one of which is the Model Y, uh, and second of which is the Roadster 2, which is supposed to have 600 miles range and 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds and have literal rocket boosters on the back. Uh, I don't think rocket boosters are legal, street legal, so I don't think <laughs> You know, second, like 600 mile range in a car that's the size of your couch, like mm, that doesn't seem right. Uh, moreover, he's 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 struggling to build the Model Three as it is right now. Um, they come out of the, the shop really low build quality, um, different color panels, misaligned parts, and they're building in literal tents in Fremont. So, so wait, wait. So he wait. doesn't know if he's going to build the Model Y, let alone these two other vehicles, right? So, 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 so you just said they come out with low build quality. I mean, you just, man, that was like a nice steaming, it was a, a bucket full of steaming hot diarrhea over the head of Elon Musk. That's an inside <laughs> joke for people who know about uh, what's going on in Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, you just took a nice dump on him. But so you're saying they're coming out with like low build quality, but then why do they keep getting these ratings as like the safest car and all of this ah, stuff? Safety, let's not conflate safety with build quality, right? Okay. Because Consumer Reports rates them very high safety, very low uh, reliability. Mm. So, you know, you can roll over very nicely, but does the car always start? Does it need to go to the shop all the time? Is it on the back of a tow truck all the time? Yes, those things can be true at the same time. So is this like a Jaguar of the electric car world? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. And, and what the reason why they're not very profitable, uh, you know, ignoring the fact that batteries are very expensive and so is car uh, manufacturing starting from the ground floor. But also uh, he's been doing the uh, Apple style um, repair model where they don't have the time to really diagnose and repair the vehicles when they come in. So they just wholesale replace entire drive components, entire, you know, infotainment screens. Uh, and then they're like, we'll just fix it in post. Like, we'll do this later. Just right. get back on the road, you know. So, so you sound like that uh, that activist investor um, at Tesla. I know right. you, you might know that guy's name. Do you know his name? The guy who's no. always... And no, there's a guy who's always giving. Um, so if you follow the stock market, Tesla's the, the story of Tesla's stock is just it's entertaining because if you just, you know, whatever, watch CNBC or one of the other channels like they can't get enough of just talking about like, you know, when he went on Joe Rogan and he smoked weed, oh, you yeah. know, suddenly the stock, you know, took a hit and there was, you know, yeah. calls for investigation into the company. Uh, you know, the, you know, there's also, you know, he has when he has like these rappers come over to his house. Um, I'm forgetting the name. Um, Azalea. Yeah. Azalea Banks and some actress. Yeah. So he's living the the Hollywood lifestyle to some extent. And, you know, he's kind of doing stuff that, you know, maybe makes conservative investors nervous. So do you think this is so, so the stock took a hit. It's still, it's still in the three hundreds, but it sounds like to me, it sounds like you are basically not long, Tesla. You're not someone who thinks Tesla is ultimately going to succeed on its current path. You know, I think it's hard to predict. And I don't want to say that they'll never survive um, because maybe he can keep it up and keep launching, releasing cars before they're like actually ready. I mean, let's not forget Model 3. They released it and then he tweeted later. It's going to be pens down in three more weeks on on the designing the car it's like wait 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 what you took orders for a vehicle you weren't even done designing yet i think that's what he's done here because look it doesn't have side view mirrors it's gonna have to legally have those it doesn't have windshield wipers it has to legally have those and i think some of these lines are not going to be good for 
um, crash ratings. He might also be going to completely slab sided lines, not to be futuristic because they're easier to bolt together in the factory. Well, well, yeah, yeah, just on yeah. that point, I've heard yeah. several experts say the, the panel not needing to be crafted and curved and all that, that that's actually yeah. going to lower manufacturing costs. But you, yeah. you, you agree yeah. or disagree with that? I agree. Yes, correct. Okay. So, yeah. so, so I mean, long curve is a lot harder to press accurately and get in there than a big old line. Yeah. So, but in general, you're not optimistic that this is a going to hit the market when he says it will, and b that the company in general has a bright future. It, he might do the thing like he did with Model Three, where it, you know Model X was two years behind schedule. Let's not forget that he doesn't know where he's going to build Model Y. Uh, where he's going to build this, I don't know. He's building a new factory in China, but I don't think he can afford to ship them across the Pacific, um, especially if Trump is reelected, then I think the terrorists would kill him. Uh, so, uh, no, again, I don't want to say the company's going to go away because they're going to, you know, someone's going to tweet at me in seven years ago, ha ha, see, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, no, they can scrape it along because he, he raises money every time he releases a car, but then is, is he four or five years from this car and this vehicle? Yeah, probably. You yeah, know, I think yeah. out first and then the, and maybe the Roadster, too. And he might do the thing again, like Model 3, where he releases three of them and go, look, I did it. I delivered it. Right. It's like you know, hand built and you send them to your friends, you know. Yeah, well, I, that's that is one of my concerns about I can't I would love to have this vehicle. But, you know, a I can't imagine logistically how it would fit into my life. I take a lot of uh, ride shares. But the other thing is just like. You know, he's talking 2021, late, late 2021, which really means 2022. So uh-huh. and that's for just the the non top tier models. The top tier model is estimated uh, late 2022, which is which really means 2023. I happen to know just as a tech analyst and, you know, and all my the stuff, the people I'm talking to and the different big tech company uh, companies, you know, the fang companies, uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. That we're actually 2020, 21, 22 is like it may be an inflection point. There's like a ton of stuff about to be released, a, a ton of like there is we're going to hit a shift with a bunch of stuff. He's asking people to predict or to uh, bet or to have faith three to four years in advance that they'll still want this. And by the time this is a reality or something you can actually sit behind and drive the world may be completely different. I, I think we're like we're, we're really like aside from just let's just the stuff I said about tech aside. The you know financial experts are also predicting a possible financial collapse within the next twenty four months. Like that's the big talk on Wall Street right now. And yeah. so while in a science fiction movie, having an apocalypse vehicle, you know, to ward off hordes of you know roving, uh, you know roving hordes i want, want an electric car during the apocalypse yeah exactly uh, well that's the other thing you know exact you know like well what's that? wait so that just made me think about something so they kept showing the, the car the truck the cyber truck in the desert and i kept thinking oh man what about your uh you know your your power stations your superchargers so i thought two things a they have that new charger that's portable that you can charge up and you know throw in the trunk and maybe that'll get you a little bit of ways but then they also have like this option that you can add that's like a solar panel that you can slide down on the back truck. And mm. my understanding is that gives you like an extra 15 miles per charge. That's not a ton, but that means you'll never actually like if you get that option, you'll never actually truly be stranded, you know, as long as the sun still shines. Let's hope the roving bandits only move 12 miles a day. <laughs> OK, good point. Good it's point. Three miles ahead of them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, so- Okay. So I mean, like, so yeah, so t- so in the next 24 months, a lot of, you know, financial experts are predicting some sort of doom. So that means pocketbooks will likely get tight. Uh so that might, you know, pull back some of those $100 pre-orders. Uh and like I said, like by 2023, which is probably when this is really, you know, if it does, if everything, if the company is still around and, you know, he's not kicked out of his, you know, cuz they've been trying to like kick him out as CEO and all kinds of stuff has been going on behind the scenes for people who haven't been following closely. If everything just keeps going as is, we'll probably it'll probably be 2023 when we actually see this thing, if not 24. I, the world will be very I think it'll be very different by then. You'll also be competing with major automakers who have comparable products by then. You know, okay, General Motors and Ford will have full electric vehicles, Rivian, a full electric 
truck company is going to be on the market by then. Bollinger, uh, another all-electric truck company, uh, they'll be full, fully running, and they don't look too dissimilar. The Bollinger is slightly less uh, angular but still boxy. I mean, he'll, it won't be an empty space. I think by 2026, there'll be 206 new uh, all-electric models on global markets. Um, so he's had the space alone for a long time, but he will not for very long. So that, that's kind of what I wanted to get to. So you, you kind of broke yeah. down some of the new players coming into the space. What I want to ask, though, is like, so in the pickup space, you know, so this, yep. this being the highest selling category of cars, like, is he at least let's just take the fact that he's, you know, crazy old Elon Musk. Let's take that out of the equation. Let's take, you know, some of the, the, the history of the company out of the equation. Let's say the Cybertruck as it looks. Okay, and the general specs, if it had been introduced by a GM or, you know, another top tier Lamborghini with the backing of Volkswagen, mm -hmm. I think my my reaction would be similar or it would not be similar. But be, I, I think the, the looks are polarizing. Mm -hmm. But if it's at Lambo on the front and Volkswagen, Volkswagen were fronting the bill, mm -hmm. it, it would feel more realistic to me. Mm -hmm. But I mean, OK, so realistic. But I mean, aside from. Okay, can this actually get to market on time and reliably and so on and so forth? I'm saying let's just take a, take away the fact that this is Tesla. Take away the fact that this is Elon Musk. Yeah. If someone else produced this design for an electric car, do you think this is where we're going or do you think he's wildly off and that ultimately what we're seeing in the market for pickup trucks and I've taken a look at like some of like what's out there and it Basically, it's like, yeah, the lines are a little slicker and, you know, it's a little I can see they're like some of these cars look like um like Balenciaga shoes, like with the bubbles, yeah. and everything, yeah. you know, or like the uh, the Kanye, um, the new Yeezys. Um, it, it, I, I see where they're going. I see what they're trying to do. Not that attractive to me, but hey. So but I mean, do you do you think what Elon is doing with this, at least in terms of design, do you think his sci-fi nerdery because that's clearly what it is i mean right. you know I, I i you know i mentioned that he had these classic sci-fi movie you know replicas on at the event you know uh even with the with the spacex his um the the rocket that he's sending to mars it looks like something from a 1950s science fiction movie i mean he's a sci-fi nerd clearly but he's yeah. also you know he knows what he's talking about you know and he has accomplished some great things i mean wait let's just pause now you do admit that he has accomplished some some great things no oh, yes yeah uh -huh. okay uh -huh. so yeah. given all that let's just take him out of the equation do you think his vision for what this next truck could be let's just say if it was from some from another company comparable price do, i mean do you think his design vision at least do you do you think that's do you think that's within the realm of where we're going or not really? Well, he's a niche brand and a niche buyer, and that's a very much niche design. I think that that's fitting, right? It's there, right? A Chevy couldn't do that mm -hmm. ever, you know? So, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to say because I don't really want to see cars go that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, you know, I think like the Jaguar E-Type is one of the most beautiful cars ever designed, right? And it's the opposite of this in almost every way, right? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, you know, but again, like I'm sitting here, I've been staring this thing for how long we've been talking an hour or whatever. And, and it's I mean, again, that three quarter front is growing on me. Mm -hmm. But You know, were you a Hummer fan or you think it, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous? Cool. I like square vehicles. I mean, I like the old 80s Volvo wagons and stuff. I like that. The G wagon, obviously, which is also going to have an electric version in the future. I like love boxy vehicles, but this just feels <laughs> lazy, you know. OK. And, and yeah. just anecdotally, like people that, you know, personally, like ha have you known Tesla owners? And if you have, like, what, what are they telling yeah, I had you? I drinks uh, Friday night with a guy who uh, has a Model 3. Uh, he's a big tech nerd, and he's put an order down for the, the Cybertruck, and he couldn't be more excited. So, but yeah. Yeah, what I'm looking more for is, like, what is their satisfaction anecdotally with what they already have? Like, what, what are Tesla owners saying, you know, just with what they already have? Oh, they like it. But, I mean, again, these are really early adopters, It's so it's hard to – you know, again, I hate to use anecdotal evidence to exemplify, right. uh, you know, a market. You know, this whole conversation, the way you're speaking, the the stuff we're hearing, the excitement versus the industry players. I have to go back to Apple again. This reminds me of Apple back in, I'll say, the 90s when everyone was saying Apple computers were a toy. They were silly. And I even remember when the iPhone came out in 2007 
the same thing happened. Like everyone, and it's, it's for people listening, this is going to be incredibly hard to believe, but trust me, Google remembers, Google this. In 2007, <laughs> there were people who were saying like, this is ridiculous. It's useless. We don't need this. It's a toy. And, you know, they weren't wrong. Like they, there were other options out on the market that were robust, you know, strong options. What Apple presented with the iPhone was not something that we necessarily needed at the time, but now we see where we're at. Um, so I, and I feel like I've seen this over and over again with Apple. And I feel like that's what Elon's trying to do. Although the, I guess my big, where I would kind of agree with you in terms of your skepticism is I feel he's spread far too thin. You know, running one company successfully trying to do big things is a big deal. That's incredibly hard. And usually in, you know, in a situation where you have someone trying to run two, three, four companies, it's very, it's readily apparent who the number two is and like, oh yeah, you know, Elon does the events, but it's really such and such who is day to day, you know, but I don't get that sense with Elon with regard, and, and maybe I'm just uninformed, maybe you know better, maybe someone out there knows better, but you know, with regard to like SpaceX, uh, Tesla, um, now the Boring Company, uh, now he's doing Neuralink, you know, the brain control interface thing. Did you see that? Did you? Did oh, you yeah. That? oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's doing all this stuff and it's like he's at the lead position or at, at least, all. Yeah. Right. Or at least apparently, you know, as far as we right. know, he's at the lead position of all of these calling the shots. And I'm sorry. It's like just doing one company. And, and look, he may be Superman. Who knows? At the end, you know, 20 years from now, we may all kind of just look back and say, huh, you know, we shouldn't have doubted him. But I think my my skepticism comes from that. Not so much, you know, the stock price and kind of him versus the industry players and the viability of like what they're trying to do and the design. I'm more so like, okay, focus, you know, do one thing really. I mean, I, th I think it was kind of maybe exemplified in the, the glass thing, you know, when the glass. Yeah. So there was there was one guy on Reddit who was actually at the event, claims to have been at the event. And he says he worked in... I can't remember what it was. It was some, some, some category of glass manufacturer. And he said he spoke to the designer, uh, the engineer, the guy who actually threw the ball. And he said the guy was flustered. And according to this, to, to, you know, to his inside, you know, conversation with the guy off the record or whatever, apparently they did test it a bunch of times before the event. And the kind of running theory internally is that maybe a bunch of micro fractures built up and then they just, you know, rather than change out the window, they used the same window that they were testing earlier in the day. But that's still kind of no excuse. It's like if you're saying the glass is shatterproof and you're making these big claims, that shouldn't have happened. And it didn't just happen on that front seat. It, it happened on this on the other window. So right. I kind of feel like that's kind of like it, it's not a it's not a it's not something that says, OK, game over. You have no credibility. But it's kind of like a, a red flag is like, OK, are, are we focused enough here? You know, are we paying enough attention to attention to detail here? You know, maybe you should run one company and someone should run the, you know, the other company. Maybe you should pick SpaceX or Tesla. You know, that, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think and it sounds like you disagree, but I, I think really Tesla is Elon Musk, right? If you got rid of him and just moved him to SpaceX or whatever else, you know, he's got, like you said, the boring company and Neuralink. And if you moved him to something else, I don't think anyone would really buy in anymore because they're buying a part of Elon Musk. They want to be a part of that guy. Right. And, you know. No, I agree. I, I agree with that. I think I, I think in the perfect world, he would actually give SpaceX over to some other CEO and he would, you know, maybe monitor and help. But I think, yeah, I think Tesla is his baby. Tesla, he is Tesla. And SpaceX, that's hard, man. Like, as they say, space is hard. And these are people's lives. You know, like a car. Yeah, you might survive a car crash. You're not surviving in space. We can't afford, you know, right. like an accidental, you know, fracture of glass or, you know, like, oh, this wasn't tested. Oh, we'll fix it in post, as he said. We can't afford that in space. So, I mean, we haven't, you know, so far, knock on uh, whatever, you know, space age material those rockets are made out of. You know, we haven't had a death, but we had, you know, he did his most recent rocket test. There was like an explosion, but, you know, that's kind of par for the course. That happens even with NASA's old, you know, um, testing and that's not unusual. But, you know, just I just wish he would focus, 
You know, I love all the stuff he's doing. I'm excited. I'm I'm actually, you know, I'm rooting for him. Like I'm I'm excited for the future he's pr- promoting, presenting, uh, trying to push forward. But I'm not so sure he can keep doing it by himself. Like I think he needs some help. I think he just needs to get some help. And I don't mean mental help. I don't mean therapy. I mean, I mean like a helping hand on a corporate level. Yeah. So so what do you think? So if if this isn't the future, what, so what do you like? Give me your vision. Give me paint twenty, paint twenty thirty vehicle world in the in the U.S. What does it look like? Is it mostly electric? Still gas? Hybrid? Uh, do are are most people still driving cars? Are they mm-hmm. driving? Like, what are they driving? Like, you know, give, give me your your vision. Yeah. So I think, um, and 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 this, and I don't want to try to, I don't want to hijack because there's a whole another discussion we we ought to have if we're talking about Tesla is uh, autopilot and the problems with its marketing and the design. But let's so let's ignore that for now. But I do want to say a lot of my Tesla um, skepticism and complaints uh, start with that. Well, wait, but, wait, 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 wait. I I don't want to gloss over uh, that real quick. So. Oh, okay. On the order page, you can order um, self-driving for an extra Mm $7,000, but that's not fully developed. Uh You also have other companies out there, Google, you know, is it it Waymo? Waymo is is Google's, yeah, and then uh, Cruise is GM's brand. Yeah, so he's trying to kind of bake that in, so kind of, I guess, to future-proof his car. So yeah, so let, let's go ahead and start with that. So you're outlining the future. What role does self-driving car uh, vehicles play in that future? Uh, it's going to be smaller than we keep thinking. It seems to be squeezing and squeezing narrower and narrower just because uh, it's really hard to replicate what a human can do for driving and do it safely. Um, you know, a, save save the Uber um, death. His vehicles are the only ones that have seen self-driving you know, fatalities, right? And they're not real self-driving. Um, the marketing is misleading on that um, compared to the competitors, you know? So it's at best like level two plus so, uh, self-driving um, autonomy and and he's marketing it as his full self-autonomy, like literally, right? So um, the I, so I think, you know, there's even companies like WaveSense, which is starting to do mapping uh, three meters into the ground uh, with radar, um, which is a more reliable way to map the world for self-driving cars because snow cover construction you name it the the road service changes but if you go down 12 feet it's a lot more reliable but tesla's not even doing anything like that right so um in the future if i'm going to speak broadly i think it's going to be gasoline still going to be like number one uh we're going to see probably um hybrid and plug-in hybrid is the second and maybe a third or fourth place would be all electric um, those will be deeply subsidized by the automakers because they have to make them to make to um, hit Chinese and European emissions and they have to sell them and they have to build them at a great enough scale that they can try to make some sort of profit. Uh, and I think self-driving vehicles will be limited to very small, true self-driving, like level four autonomy. Level five is theoretical. Uh, level four autonomy will be limited to um, major urban areas by a, a, f- a handful of brands. I'm not sure Tesla will be one of them. Well, I uh, think- real quick, so describes level four autonomy. Like, as- assuming level five yeah. is full autonomy, I can just go yeah. to sleep. Well, yeah, no, no, level four, you'll be able to do that too, but it needs to, it'll be geofenced into a, a fully mapped area, right? Like all of downtown San Francisco, you'll be able to get in a self driving cruise car uh, and it'll drive you wherever you want in the city safely. But only within the city, right? If you tell it to go to, you know, uh, uh, Sacramento, it'll go, I can't go there. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, it's not mapped for that. So but level five is truly like I'm going to get in there's and you know, I'm going to tell it to drive across the, the Gobi Desert and into, you know, a city that it's never been to before. And it can handle all that safely. That's pretty much theoretical. So level four is heavily mapped where a, a company has mapped, you know, a high definition GPS, radar, uh, LIDAR. Uh, and otherwise, uh, the entire city, and then it can handle virtually anything you throw at it. And for the course, there's going to be hiccups, and they'll go at low speeds, and, and all of those things. So yeah, you'll be able to hail in 2030. You'll be able to hail hail a self-driving a robo taxi, um, but only in a certain handful of cities and at very low speeds, and only within those cities. Uh, everything else, you'll probably see more self-driving assistants at level two plus or three on the highway. But those are proving 
difficult because people are starting to rely on them too heavily and they're not foolproof. Um, so it's, it's really hard. And then that said, I think the, um, General Motors Super Cruise that I tested in one of their Cadillacs, um, which can do all of the steering, braking, um, all of those things, uh, which is like level two, level two plus on the freeway in a certain lane, um, can do it very well, but there's so much to unpack there. So, so by the, by the way, are you worried about like, you know, you, you keep seeing like these videos of people on the highway, like clearly asleep in, yeah, behind the yeah. wheel, trying yeah. to allow their Tesla, you know, to drive for them. Like, are, yeah. are, do you think this is going to be, be a problem like now and in the next whatever, three, four years? Or do you think this is well, just temporary? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. That's how do you want to, because if I think it's a four or five people have died because they're relying too heavily on their Tesla autopilot system and uh, no one's really freaking out, but like 38 people have died from vaping and we want to shut the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, why are we judging one harder than the other? You know, I think it's crazy that that he is. I mean, legislators are intentionally staying out of the way so they don't stifle uh, innovation. But they're letting Tesla beta test on the on the consumers Mm -hmm. and misrepresent it as something that's more robust than it truly is. Just so he can be better and be more futuristic than everybody else. People are literally dying so he can go, oh, yeah, your car can drive itself. (laughs) The screen says, oh, but always keep your hands on the wheel at all times. People go, okay, and then they ignore it, you know, because people are stupid, you know, but like no automaker other than him is doing that or would ever do that. Okay, so you gave me a vision of um, 2030 in terms of like what's going to be happening on the road. Do you think, well, like when or do you think we'll ever get to an all electric car or mostly like let's say 80 percent? electric cars on the road environment and when uh the 2050s and probably beyond but it's really hard to say because again in 2016 automakers were touting and i just wrote a story about this for mike.com that in 2016 automakers like the world of autonomy is almost here and then fast forward to now it's like oh wait no never mind just kidding we learned (laughs) a lot more than we thought we did you know what i mean right um they didn't know what they didn't know so it's it's hard to say um i think 2050 is probably a safe time frame okay and then just on the design end like yeah. where where yeah. do you see us going on the design and not spe- not specific to tesla just in general <laughs> let's just say tesla is not even a factor here just like what um like you know i, I watch a lot of those uh concept videos you know from you know car companies yeah um like where do you see us going like is are well, we in for radical a, change it, yeah it's a really neat idea because blue sky if cars are all electric and they kind of run on like skateboard platforms which are the electric motors wheels and batteries are all one big chunk at the bottom and they can't and they can't crash because they're fully autonomous and like crash proof right which is again someday probably theoretical 30 40 50 years from now but you could see a return of coach building and then you could put anything on top of one of these things, right? Because then efficiency is really aero, aerodynamic efficiency is your only real hangup. So now wait, what do you what do you mean by coach building? Uh, in the early in the early car world, uh, early twentieth century, uh, a brand would only make like the chassis and the engine, mm-hmm. and then they some rich person would buy it, and then they go to a, what it was called a coach builder, and then those people would outfit it with the body and seats and interior and whatever they wanted, like. You know, you buy the chassis and a Rolls Royce engine and then it's like, oh, well, I want a seven seater and I want it all velour, you know what I mean? And I want skin hides and I want it to be, (laughs) you know, seven feet wide. And they just bolt that box, that wood box onto your frame. Right. So in the future and Volkswagen has said they'll do this. I'm sure I'm, I'm surprised Tesla hasn't also said, oh, yeah, me too. But like Volkswagen will be selling its M um mq and mbq mqb which i believe is their uh fully electric skateboard platform to third market or aftermarket uh, manufacturers so there will be a time where you'll start seeing be it autonomous or otherwise you know bespoke low run electric vehicles Interesting. Um, yeah so we're good so you so so at least on a small level on a niche level we're going. You you think we're going to see some really weird looking electric vehicles in the next twenty thirty years because of that? Yeah, and again, I think you look to Renault, you look to Citroen, you look to Honda, who put out some really wacky electric concepts, like self driving concepts, or like really blue sky far outs. There, mm. I don't think you're totally wrong with those with some of those with those um, 
you know, be there like ones that's designed to drive only children to school or one that's only designed to drive kings to the Rolls, you know, the, the Ritz Carlton, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean? like or or the Louvre, you know, and so you can get real wacky when all you have to worry about is buying uh, a chassis from a Volkswagen or Renault or something like that. Now, do you miss the days like as a car nerd? Do you miss like when you look back at like, let's say the 40s and the 50s and, and they had those like really dramatic fins and, you know, hoods and, and these ornaments like jutting out, you know, really boldly. Like, do you miss those days where it seemed like there were more chances being taken with the design? Oh, yeah. Before people's safety came into concern. Yeah. I mean, like the 59, <laughs> 59 Cadillac is probably you know, one of my all time favorite vehicles, you know, with those you know six foot tall wings or whatever they were. Right. Uh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to see a return to design. Um, and not to say these cars are not designed, but right now we're so hamstrung by aerodynamics that that's why all vehicles are starting to look the same. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of what's driving this, um, I don't know, similarity of design is just like everyone's trying to, uh, Physics. design for like fuel efficiency, basically. Yeah. Well, ah, that's boring. All right. Well, I think the Tesla story is still being written. I'm optimistic, but, um, this is good to get this dose of reality, man. I guess I shouldn't ask you about flying cars, right? Uh, no. <laughs> I guess I'll just leave that for another conversation over drinks. Yeah, please. Hey, man, so tell me, um, how can people reach out if they want to kind of follow your your work, you know, your thoughts, what you're doing in the space? Well, I'm sure I'm going to get some angry tweets because I always get accused of being a shill for OPEC or, or whatever, <laughs> whenever I say anything bad about Tesla. But again, I want to remind people that my family, my father's had uh, an electric car for 12 years that he had made a bespoke one he had made himself and my home, my home is entirely uh, solar powered. I'm very much uh, a proponent of electric um, powertrains and technology and that future. I just don't buy everything Elon says. So, uh, but if they want to reach out to me, uh, good, bad or otherwise, you know, at Twitter at Nick Janes, that's J A Y N as in Nick E S uh, and then same at uh, Instagram. If you want to send me a DM there, Slide into those DMs with that uh, <laughs> Tesla love. Let them know. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Nick. I appreciate you for joining the Mars Magazine podcast. Uh, this is a Dario Strange. If you want to just check out more about the future, the intersection of uh, science fiction meets technology, you can check us out at MarsMag.com. Thanks again. And we will see you in the future. My cosmic car.